0: Hello, and welcome back to Now Screaming, episode 92. I'm Evan Gulbertson And I'm Liz Smart. And we're watching all the horror movies currently available for streaming on the internet.
1: So you don't have to.
0: This week, we'll be talking about David Lynch's 1977 debut, Eraserhead, which comes to us from Criterion Channel and is also available on HBO Max.
1: HBO Max is really out there doing it these days.
0: Yeah, well, they have actually have access to a lot of things that Criterion owns the rights to. Criterion's made oh, a partnership with them, despite having their own streaming service. Yeah. So they have a ton of classics of world cinema. Speaking of, like Onibaba, which we did just a few episodes ago, also on the Criterion channel, Eraserhead is a movie with a very long academic history. Yeah. That, I mean, there are, probably even more so than Onibama, there are books, there's lots of. Yeah, uh, that's one of the reasons I Eraserhead. wanted to.
1: To really watch, like I really wanted to watch this and was excited for it, even though I didn't think I would really like it, was that I was excited for the academic purpose of kind of digging into it.
0: Yeah, and I think we're going to touch on more of that than we did on Onibaba, perhaps. But at the same time, we are not the smartest people to ever talk about Eraserhead. No. And if you're looking for some real deep, poignant analysis, this <laughs> <It's> is elsewhere. <laughs> it's not here. This is going to be a much more introductory conversation.
1: Sure, because I don't know anything. I knew nothing about it going in, and I've never read anything about it except for there was discussion of it in the book I mentioned a few months ago, A Cultural History of Horror by David J. Skull.
0: The Monster Show? Yes. I will say, in my opinion, if you have not yet seen Eraserhead, I think it's worth seeing. I think it is worth your time. I think you should go out and watch it. It's not something you should worry about us spoiling, but you should go watch this movie. Liz, do you agree that people should go watch Eraserhead?
1: I feel like you're baiting me, because that's not really, uh, not to get super, you know, uh, metaphysical, but, like, that's not really the right question. Yes, people probably should. If you're a fan of horror, if you are interested in the academic readings of horror, if you are a completionist who's trying to watch all kinds of horror, then yes, you should. I wanted to, even though I didn't think I would like this. If your question is, would you ever watch it again? My answer is probably no. <laughs> if your, your question is, did you particularly enjoy this? Then the answer is definitely no. Um, but I don't know that I would like prohibitively say that it's bad or that other people won't like it. Me and David Lynch just do not. Um, we don't get each other. We don't understand each other. He doesn't make movies for brains like mine. It's okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think the divide, the divide on this episode is going to be very much that I am a huge David Lynch fan and you very much are not. No. This movie, taken... I think we'll talk about it both in context of David Lynch as well as sort of on its own. It is his debut feature, um, coming out of years of being a, a visual arts student, deciding he wanted to make movies. Made this movie over the course of six years. It is, off the top of my head, it's the most experimental film we've covered on this podcast. The most avant-garde I think that's thing true. that we've done. Yeah. If not, it's close. Mm-hmm. If there's something I'm forgetting, it's, it's close. It's also, in my mind... It's clearly a horror film, but I don't think of Lynch as a horror filmmaker. Most of his films, mm. I think, have an unsettling aspect to them yeah. that I would not characterize as horror. No, it's just that it
1: it has hallmarks that I feel like horror fans typically also like his work, right? Yes. Horror fans typically like Twin Peaks because it has enough horror elements Without maybe being, I mean, one of the reasons I didn't like Twin Peaks, going to Twin Peaks, thinking I was going to love it, knowing so many people who loved it, hearing that it was weird. I love weird. I was like, let's do this. It was not what I was expecting at all. And maybe because I thought it would be more horror, and it isn't really. And then Mulholland Drive, same kind of thing. Only has kind of like vague horror elements. I don't think I would, I would ever call that a straight up horror movie.
0: Yeah, I think the only other film of his that I would I would characterize as a horror film is. Twin Peaks, Fire Walk with Me, which is the prequel film he made after the completion of Twin Peaks, that is about Laura Palmer's life before the events of the series, and I think it's a straight-up horror film. It is, it is horrifying. It is shot and and sequenced like a horror film. I love that movie. I think that's a better movie than Eraserhead. It's a better horror movie than Eraserhead. Eraserhead, the the way that it's operating within the horror genre is more that it is really pushing boundaries and is trying to quite literally horrify its audience. Yes, absolutely. It is about... It's about... Uh, how to sum up Eraserhead? Eraserhead is a movie about being a father and living in Philadelphia and being <laughs> terrified of those two things. Yeah.
1: Because David Lynch was living in Philadelphia. And thought he, it
0: was a hellhole. I
1: mean, it was at that time.
0: And he had just had a baby and he didn't know what to do about it. He had a lot of anxi- personal anxieties that do he's you know working about, through. about his daughter? That yes. she
1: had very severely clubbed feet and needed like a lot of surgeries. So that very mm-hmm. clearly informs this movie.
0: I would not consider this an autobiographical movie. Maybe maybe Lynch does, and that's why he's reticent to explain things, is because everything's really personal to him. Um, we can talk about his approach to uh, answering questions later in the episode, but it's certainly not about David Lynch. But it's about anxieties that are clearly very important to him, which is why I think that this film's... This film is very visceral. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that those things work because they're so direct. This movie... We said this is about like being afraid of Philadelphia and fatherhood, or I said that. It, like The environment that the protagonist goes around experiencing is really aggressive and scary.
1: Yes. The... It's very industrial, and yes. I, it's very cold.
0: Yes. Let's get into the plot. So Henry is the protagonist of this film, played by Jack Nance, a frequent David Lynch collaborator. He lives in an apartment building. He has a girlfriend. The plot of the first act of this movie is really just that he goes over to his girlfriend's parents' house for dinner. Mm-hmm. Has a very troubling time there. Yes. They they are very off-putting. And if you're at all, if you're listening to this and you're at all familiar with kind of the tempo of David Lynch projects, I think that this Very much has that. People talk a little slower and Mm -hmm. the things that they say aren't often like uh, very literal.
1: No, and I think that things are just weird enough to be troubling. Like you Mm -hmm. said, a very troubling time. It's not particularly like dramatically troubling, it's just really off and continues to be off. And even when things start to get for us like so deeply and horrifyingly surreal, it almost appears in the movie like it's just kind of off. You know yeah. what I mean?
0: I would let me recharacterize that. Henry is uh, deeply troubled by the experience he has. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, you're right that for the audience, the things that are happening are just mildly unsettling. He is but, like practically no, trembling the entire time. But
1: then it's like, here's let we should stop, you know, trafficking and vagaries and just get into what happens. Sure. So, like, I would say that to walk into your girlfriend's house and uh, your girlfriend starts having some sort of, like, strange attack, Mm -hmm. right? She starts having some sort of convulsion. A seizure. A seizure of some sort. And her mother sort of just bends her over and starts aggressively brushing her hair this is how she solves this problem. So like to me, if that happened when I visited, you know, my partner's house and, and met my partner's mother, I would be like freaking out. He's just kind of like oh, strange. You know what I mean? And then later on at the dinner, they're um they're eating these like little chickens that they talk about how I guess through hormones, they've been made small. They can now eat these tiny little chickens, like a
0: full chicken, like a like an it's entire a full t- an entire chicken.
1: chicken, but it's tiny. And uh, the father asks um, him, to, asks Henry to to carve this small chicken. And as he kind of reaches for it, the chicken starts moving and like oozing blood. And again, if this was me, I would I would jump up screaming and run out of the house. Right, like my reaction to this in a normal situation, would be quite overblown, whereas he just seems vaguely shaken by it, but then is, like, more shaken later by just conversation. Do you know what I'm saying? It's... All of the emotions are strange in that way. Nothing... No one reacts to things that people would expect. We're clearly in a world that doesn't make any sense.
0: What you would say... Less the world doesn't make sense, people not reacting the way that you would think they would react, I think, is a hallmark of what makes something feel Lynchian to me. Sure. Is, it's not, like, the surreality as much as it is people having conversations, but not acting quite the way that people in our world that we live in Yes, Right? The conversations they're having here, sometimes they, they go into strange topics, but mostly people are just acting really strangely. Really strangely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And...
1: All of this leads to the mother saying, you had a baby, it's at the hospital, and our our first sign that this is very strange is that, um, I mean, besides the strange thing that already happened, the weird thing about this baby is that then his girlfriend says, mom, they don't even know if it is a baby, and she's like, no, it's a baby, and you're going to raise it, you're going to get married, the baby's going to come live at your house, you're doing this.
0: Act two is that that happens. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: we skip over any reactions to this. It was yeah. just like, now they have this baby and it's at the house and his girlfriend lives with him in his His one,
0: girlfriend's name is Mary, I believe. Mary X. He uh, and Mary are raising this baby in except, this one room apartment. <laughs> except, would you like to talk about the baby?
1: Yeah, I'd love to talk about the, if you can call it that, <laughs> whatever it is.
0: <laughs> what is it? Seeing this, again, I've seen this movie before. You're seeing this for the first time. What is this baby?
1: In in the world of the movie? Yes, uh, to be r- kind of real with you, it's like, it's like if sperm never became a real baby. It's like if sperm just got really big and then was birthed.
0: I don't like that. That's
1: what it looks like to me. It has a big head and presumably a tail, but it's wrapped in...
0: It's swaddled. It's
1: swaddled in like bandages.
0: In bandages, yeah. yeah. Um, I... Understand how you got there, but I, I I would describe it as more dinosaur-like than that.
1: It does have a little kind of a dinosaur face, but dinosaurs aren't slimy like that. Uh,
0: babies are, but
1: baby dinosaurs aren't. How do you know? How do you know? But dinosaurs have feathers.
0: <laughs> We're getting off track. Um, <laughs> this is a freaky-looking baby.
1: Yeah, it has a big swollen head. It has little uh, alien-like nostrils mm. and teeth.
0: Teeth, it cries a lot,
1: yeah. It mules. it's got a weird baby cry, but not like a real baby.
0: Mary doesn't want to put up with it, and she leaves.
1: It's really, she she puts up with it for a a, again, not how a normal person would. Our first scene with this baby, we don't see this is why, like, it's not shot like a horror movie, right? Like, if this was a horror movie, there'd be some big dramatic moment when Mary shows him. Yeah. The baby for the first time. Instead, we just we leave the scene with them at the house and come into the scene in, in this new scene in his apartment, and she's just trying to feed baby food to this thing, and that's it. That's that's, yeah. that's that's it. That's the whole reaction. No one reacts to it. No one no one really indicates there's anything that weird about it. The problem for Mary does not necessarily seem to be that her baby is a monster and more that the baby just cries too much. She just can't get a good night's sleep. Yeah. And like, for me watching, I was like, is the baby crying so much because it its needs are clearly not being met because it's a monster and not a baby? But I don't know. But The movie doesn't get into that. The movie doesn't discuss it. It's just like, she can't sleep because this baby is fucking crying all night. And not, it was just so funny. It's not crying like a baby. It's just sort of whining all night and she can't sleep. Yeah. And so she leaves.
0: Leaving Henry alone with this baby that he tries to take care of, does a bad job of. It gets sick. Um, He has a bunch of hallucinations. We'll talk about those a little later. Mm -hmm. Just in terms of plot. He has some hallucinations just from presumably not sleeping, being probably some mentally ill in the first place.
1: That's adding a literalism to this that I just... (laughs) Sure. Doesn't even need to be addressed, Uh, I don't think.
0: He he sleeps with an attractive woman from across the hall.
1: Yeah, his bed turns into like a hot tub.
0: <laughs> is uh, that
1: not what happens?
0: Sure, but we're not even talking about his hallucinations. Uh, sure. I think that that probably falls under hallucination. If you say so. The... Then the woman across the hall is sleeping with some other man, which makes him very upset. Amidst the fact that he's failing to take care of his baby, he kind of loses it unravels the bandages of the baby
1: no he doesn't even unravel them which I think would be a gentler thing he just takes scissors and just starts cutting through the bandages sure do you feel like unraveling would yes you're be right. safer
0: uh you're you're right there's no um care no given to to what he does um but w- when the bandages are are removed it's just like guts.
1: Yeah, I'm unclear of whether that means the bandages were its body, or if it was only ever sort of a collection of organs that then somebody just swaddled so that the organs would stay together. Yeah. Doesn't seem... I don't know how someone would do that scientifically,
0: but I, either yeah.
1: way, it has no body. When he cuts open the bandages, there's it's just organs on display.
0: Um, And it's, like, screaming, so Henry stabs it with the scissors... The the organs. organs
1: specifically yeah
0: um and then some crazy shit happens and that's the end <laughs> of the movie uh you I, just give me
1: over I, the crazy shit on purpose i say that
0: because it's like would you like to describe it yeah. please please take its habits describing um, what happens
1: it's insides start swelling like sort of like sort of like a chemical reaction um you know how you ever watch those videos where people pour two chemicals together and like, or put something in the microwave and it just starts exploding in kind of like a foamy way? Mm-hmm. That happens out of the child, and then the child from the child, the Mandalorian, yeah, Baby Yoda. and then its head gets. This is what looks the most like a dinosaur. Is its head gets really, really, really big, and it looks like a brontosaurus mm-hmm. head in this tiny little one-bedroom apartment and the lights are going on and off, like kind of um, flickering and so then the head is in like three different positions whenever the lights go off. It's like in a different place. It's just sort of flitting around the apartment. Um, I don't remember how that scene ends. I remember how the movie ends. I don't remember how we transition out of that. I have no idea. It doesn't like, they don't kill each other in any kind of way, right? No. no. It, we just stop seeing that and then more hallucinations happen.
0: Yeah, more hallucinations happen um, culminating in him being embraced by a woman that he had hallucinated earlier. Yes,
1: that's the end of the
0: movie. Again, we'll talk more about the hallucinations because they deserve, they merit conversation. But uh, as you can tell from that plot synopsis, like not a lot happens in this movie. No. In fact, it was originally a 20-page script, I believe, and um, the AFI who helped fund this and and with whom David Lynch was collaborating as a student was like, oh, so this will be like a 20-minute movie. And he was like, well, no, I think I (laughs) envisioned a little more than that. Uh, and of course, this is this is a ninety-minute film. Um, it's a full-length film,
1: which I think was even supposed to be longer. He ended yeah. up cutting out. A few, he did like, cut out a lot big of big scenes. Yeah.
0: Oh, so you know all the trivia for this movie? Oh you've yeah. Seen sorry,
1: once. I read all the trivia. <laughs> That's my job.
0: Yeah, I mean, this isn't a movie that is about plot. It's very much about atmosphere, atmosphere, images. I think feelings too. I think the feelings that Henry is feeling, the feelings that we as an audience experience, <laughs> the just the sheer anxiety of. Not being able to cope with this child in his apartment is like the the central like emotion we feel for half this film is just like his the the escalating difficulty that he has in coping with this again to the point where he has a break with reality mm-hmm. or maybe the maybe the break with reality precedes this but um uh, it exacerbates his his inability to hold on to reality mm-hmm What's your thought? You seem to have a thought.
1: I don't have a thought. I have no thoughts. No thoughts head empty about this movie. Um, I mean, I think that what's so fascinating to me about it, and I here's the thing. When we finished watching this movie the other day, I was really angry. <laughs> I was very mad. I yelled a little bit um, because I really feel that, for me, David Lynch's emotions are inaccessible to me. I don't feel the emotions of this movie. I understand logically that they're there. Like, I understand that how this is a movie about the anxiety of fatherhood and that, like, there is some empathy to be felt here. But I don't feel it because I don't... Because they, they don't... People don't react. This... I have such a difficulty talking about it because I did such soul-searching after I watched this movie of, like... Why do I sometimes like this sort of thing when other people do it? I have movies I've watched where people don't act like people and I love it. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's, I mean, my, one of my favorite movies ever, Moonstruck. Has you know, there's a theatricality of that where they don't talk to each other like regular people. It's a very script heavy movie. And I love it. I think it's, I think the, it works. And in this, for some reason, I find it completely inaccessible emotionally. And I find it to be only cold and unpleasant in a way that feels deliberate to keep me at an arm's length and i understand that that's not everybody's experience with it but it was mine
0: and i also think that like david lynch would probably be dismayed by that reaction right? yeah. like i i don't think that i mean you're not the only person to bounce off of david lynch i mean let's let's no. you know, <laughs> a lot a lot of people myself included are fanatics but a, a lot of people also don't think david lynch is very good and also Um, Lynchian has become this sort of shorthand for weirdness in a way that I don't think actually, like, speaks to... No,
1: it actually actively bothers me. Yeah. Because I love things. There are many things that have been described as Lynchian, and there are are things that were inspired by this movie, like The Shining, Mm -hmm. that I adore. Um, Another movie where people don't act like people, and it's a very surreal, cold movie. Like, why do I love that? And not this. I don't know. Yeah. I think that there's just something for me. It's never weird enough, and it's always unpleasant and off-putting. I I don't know why.
0: David Lynch, not weird enough, is the headline <laughs> like, of this honestly, episode.
1: That's how I felt it's about Twin Peaks, and that's I mean, it's not really how I feel about this. But like, there's a way to make this weirder. Because all sure, of here, but the goal the, again. The goal of the, stuff,
0: the film is not weirdness.
1: We haven't talked about sure. We haven't talked about the hallucinations or. I'd like to. The, we, could, like, we could
0: transition into that.
1: My favorite things about this movie. I didn't hate this movie unilaterally, right? Like I loved a lot of things about it. I actually think it reminded me a lot when it began of something I love very deeply, which is the Twilight Zone. Uh, yeah. It's in black and white. We also haven't said this movie's in black and white, um, and it begins with some sort of. Um, man, some man is sitting in front of a window looking out, and we see um, Henry's head sort of superimposed over space, mm-hmm. and he opens his mouth and some sort of spermy thing comes out. Um, and the, this man, looking out the window, is like pulling... Levers. Le- like Yeah, levers, and making things happen. And he comes up later again in the movie. Um, and I loved this. This is the kind of weirdness I'm looking for, is like, what is this strange... God, alien creature who is pulling these levers and making these things happen, and then later on, Henry hallucinates this woman in a radiator. Um, she stands on a stage and she she sings. She's well, lip syncing. First,
0: she stomps on sperms. Yes, she's, and then she she's sings. got this
1: very interesting face of like joy um, and excitement, but she's reacting to an audience. She's clearly looking out off the stage at someone. And she's stomping on these, these sperms that fall from the ceiling with just like unbridled joy. And whatever she is, whatever the man is with the levers, I'm super into it. I actually love it. It's like, it's everything else (laughs) that I just think is not because it's the way there's something so interesting about this child where, like I said, no one in this movie is reacting to this child being a monster only reactions to it are like it cries too much and it's sick this could be a real baby this like take this movie and just replace every shot of it with a real baby and the story doesn't change
0: and that's a problem for you because I think that's part of
1: but that's but that's why it's not weird if it was if it was weird it would be like about how this child is a monster do you understand what I'm saying
0: I cannot I cannot fuck with you saying this movie <laughs> isn't weird. I, again, like it's
1: weird, it's just not weird enough. Like I said, I wish it leaned more into
0: the see, weird. I was. I hear what you're saying, and I disagree vehemently. I think that the fact that there are um, unreal or surreal elements in a world that go unacknowledged and are um, part of the life of the people in that world, in this world, not just in this, but just like as as part of the Lynch oeuvre, I think is weirder. I sincerely think it is weirder that we as an audience are watching nobody treat this baby as a monster. I understand what you're saying, but I I honestly, I I see it as the exact opposite.
1: You're right. Again, this is why I have such a hard time talking about Lynch, because every time I say, this is why I don't like it, it's like, that's not really true. And I think that, like, there are, like, I'll say it again, like, I... Part of me wants more answers in this movie, but then there's other movies where I'm like, "Stop asking for answers. Just let it. Just let it exist. Let it happen." I don't know why this doesn't work for me when so many other movies like it work perfectly. I don't get it. I can't explain it. It's why I. This, I almost didn't start getting into it. I'm sorry that now I'm ranting because I can't explain why it doesn't work. It just doesn't. Do
0: you, you wish they didn't mad. have characters and it was just the abstract stuff?
1: Well, they're characters. The abstract stuff are characters.
0: No. Do you wish that there weren't? This movie weren't about Henry going about his life. You uh, just want to see weird shit?
1: Uh yeah. I mean, I think I I mean I when I was reading reviews for this and everyone's like, "Oh, Jack Nance." I'm like, "What? What about him? He's nothing."
0: Oh, he's great. He's
1: nothing. He makes three facial expressions this whole movie. They're very like, good faces. congratulations to him for doing this movie for as long as it was being filmed and he kept his hair like that the whole time. Trivia. Super fun. Love it. Um I don't care about him in this movie at all. I do not give a shit. I think that like I have a really hard time with romance in surreal movies because I his relationship with the girl next door who he sleeps with and then his he's I read the Wikipedia synopsis and it was like he's devastated that she's sleeping with someone else. Again, he makes one of his three facial expressions. I would not call him devastated. Uh I don't I don't he's nothing to me as a character. So yes, maybe you're right.
0: I'm not saying that it's your fault. <laughs> That you're not meeting this movie where it is, but I really feel like you're not meeting this movie where it is, and it's okay if you don't. You have said off mic that you don't trust David Lynch, and yes. it's okay that if you don't trust David Lynch, so you don't feel the motivation or um, you don't want to. You don't want to meet it where it is. I, I did think, want to. Though. I don't know how you watch this movie and don't interpret his reaction to that as devastation. I like that seems very apparent to me.
1: But how much work do I have to do as an audience member to interpret that as devastation? I think
0: I think Lynch wants more work from you than most filmmakers. I am I'm saying that without as a without a value judgment of whether that's the right thing to do, but I think he wants his audiences to be not more like perceptive but like more engaged with or like to root around in 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 these subtleties. I buy that.
1: I buy that. I don't want to root around in actors performances. Maybe that's part of it. I mean, like that's I, I
0: do think that's that something. Sounds that sounds
1: horrible. I think that <laughs> nuanced acting performances are incredible. I don't want to watch an actor make three facial expressions and be like, "Oh, because of other context cuz of the movie, he must be devastated."
0: I think that there are performance... again. Sorry to keep opening this up a bit, but like ultimately, this conversation is about Lynch more it than is. it is Racerhead. It is. I think that there are like truly incredible performances in Lynch films. I think I agree. That,
1: Mulholland Drive, amazing.
0: Yeah. The performance in Mulholland Drive, Cheryl Lee in Firewalk with Me, Nicolas Cage and Laura Dern in Wild at Heart. I think I forget that's a Lynch movie. And for the record, I think that, uh, Everything we're talking about the you mentioned Moonstruck earlier. Nick Cage and David Lynch I think are like a match made in heaven in terms of sensibility. You're right. Nicolas Cage never acts like a person. No. Never. Like no matter what he does. And
1: sometimes it works really well, and sometimes it fails utterly.
0: Yeah, and I, they made a movie together, and uh, I think that Moonstruck Moonstruck isn't Lynchian, but it has similar kinds of like energy yeah. where it's like we're not on another planet, but sometimes it feels like it. Yes,
1: absolutely, and and they, and, and it's and it's not about um, reality; it's about feelings and about emotion, emotion and landscapes and cityscapes and, you know, concepts.
0: And I think that those are good things. I think that those are,
1: that, I think, those are
0: things that I come to cinema for.
1: I completely agree, and I think that I, I. I'm sorry that we had this conversation off of the podcast, where I said I don't trust David Lynch, because I think that it is relevant. Um, and i don't and i i i i really do feel genuinely like i yearn for the lynch that turns my head you know the lynch that changes my mind because other filmmakers have done it where i'm like i don't like that guy i don't like this filmmaker i don't like whatever is going on here and then i see a movie and i'm like oh finally finally this uh you know this concept works for me finally something about this works for me it just hasn't i mean i haven't watched that much david lynch is the thing because i
0: yeah, I think Avoid we, it <laughs> we need to do like uh, immersion therapy. Well, we are like, going to watch Elephant Man. The snakes and the the people do with the the, ph- the phobias.
1: Excuse me? with snakes,
0: the people do like when people have a phobia, they like overexposed. Is exposure therapy is that what it's therapy. Not is that immersion yes. therapy.
1: I mean, I think both they're like similar. Uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. You say that you would lose your mind if anyone tried to immerse in therapy to get you out of your
0: phobia. No, I wouldn't. I don't want that for me. But um, (laughs) David Lynch is different than my phobias.
1: That's fair. I mean, who's to say?
0: I think you should see more David Lynch, which is a stupid thing to say, and I can't wait for someone to laugh at hearing me say that, because you obviously just don't like David Lynch, and it's okay, and there's nothing wrong with that, but... I want to. That's the problem. I,
1: like... Like I said... Lynchian things, things people describe as Lynchian, I love them. I love Stanley Kubrick, who both influenced Lynch and was influenced by Lynch. Uh, and everything one could say about David Lynch you could also say about Stanley Kubrick, and I love him.
0: You recently watched the film Eyes Wide Shut, which has a lot of David Lynch elements.
1: Yes, and I loved it.
0: So, I don't know... <laughs> Is it when he, like, you you see him talk on Twitter or whatever, and you're just like, look at this fucking. I
1: don't like him as a person. I think that's, like, absolutely true. I was on his Wikipedia page looking up stuff about his marriages because I was confused by his relationship with Jack Fink. Um, I went deep into the (laughs) lore of this movie. Um, But the things that he says about politics are so stupid, like, just so, so unbelievably toned up and dumb. Um, And that probably leads to me not trusting him.
0: I mean, I I don't want to defend any of that. I think that. Because I have a fondness for his art, I think that I'm charmed by some of some of his his behavior and his 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 uh, malapropisms. I just think that like, but it's trust, and I think that's where right. that's this isn't. I would never, if he
1: made great movies that I loved, I wouldn't hold this against him. But to me, it's all the same thing, which is that when he says like oh, you know, they'll never be another politician like Donald Trump. Like, he's going to change the whole thing. You don't have to like him, but you got to admit the man's got style kind of bullshit. It's a dumb thing to say. It's a stupid thing to say. I understand how, like, in a world where there's no political realities, where, like, that doesn't lead to people dying and, you know, being hurt by Donald Trump's racist policies. He, like, I understand how someone could say that, but it's so dis... It's out of touch with reality, and it's stupid. And I think that, like... That's also the problem I have with his art is that I don't... I think he's laughing at me. I feel like he is putting a bunch of crazy stuff on the screen and being like, try to understand that, stupid. And I'm like, there's nothing to understand. Why are you making fun of me? And...
0: I think that's... I I really think that's a mischaracterization of... I know,
1: but that's how it feels. And I don't think that's what's happening... But that's how I feel. In
0: my understanding, his that is the antithesis of what David Lynch is doing. That well, is literally the opposite of what well, he's doing. And I would make, I would like to make sure that uh, nobody leaves this podcast thinking that David Lynch is a Trump supporter. Uh, he's not
1: a Trump supporter, but he does not. He said things, I think, without thinking about the consequences of his words.
0: He's an old man who. Uh, well, that's his first mistake. It is his first mistake. <laughs> he's an old man whose brain works pretty differently for most people. It's not. It's not even That's as bad as, as what credit. Lana Del Rey said this weekend.
1: Oh, I mean, I'll I'll criticize her too. Like <laughs> this is I don't have to be you know like I'm not being unanimous here. Like I you know she's also stupid. There's a lot of stupid people out there saying dumb shit about politicians and politics.
0: I love Lana Del Rey, but I think she's very stupid. I don't think David Lynch is stupid. I think that he is looking for different things out of art than you, and so the art That's he produces. True. Um, doesn't ignite the pleasure centers that you want it to, despite aesthetically seeming like it will. Despite it having characteristics that makes you think on a surface level that it is going to excite you, ultimately leads you disappointed because it it doesn't match what you think it's going to. Yes,
1: and I think you're totally... That's very apt, and I think that that's why I feel tricked, even though he is not trying to trick me. He never promised me a mystery. He never promised me a solution. And yet something about his art tells me that there is going to be a mystery and that there is going to be a solution or at least that there's going to be something resolvable and then there isn't. And I actually was disappointed to read some of the things written about this movie because I felt like they were assigning context uh and um meaning to things that I don't didn't actually think had any meaning and I was like, "Now I'm mad on his behalf of like, like I'm stop curious. trying to analyze it of like who the woman in the radiator is." Like what does she represent? Oh, she's him. She's telling him to kill the baby, and that's why she embraces him at the I end. I think that's because boring because she's a, she's approving of him. I I agree.
0: That's really boring. Like that's such like surface level. I mean, like here's the thing: Head is not a movie for um, a mass audience, right? It was never it was not intended to be. It was an experimental film by a student filmmaker. Right. So uh, it's not
1: a puzzle to solve, which I think is like that's what exactly. people tend to do sometimes is solve the puzzle.
0: But also, if someone sees this, and they're trying to make sense of it, and they don't have context then I can't really fault them for trying to look for meaning. But I I don't think that that's the right move here. I don't think that that's productive or really it does anything for this film or for you as a viewer. I don't think that there are answers to be found in something like that.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: I'm not sure where else you want to go with this. I think we've had our big Lynch brawl. But I would like to talk about my favorite (laughs) thing about this film, which is the sound. Mm. I think that the soundscape of this film and the music in it is incredible. I do not have the authority to classify it as innovative. I don't know the origins of some of these things. But to me, it feels like a precursor of a lot of ambient and industrial and noise music in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. Mm-hmm. The The city around Henry is so loud from just white noise. I mean, the hissing of the radiator, mm-hmm. just mechanical whirrings and rumblings, steam... Uh, dogs barking, dogs squealing, puppies. Like there's a lot of just cacophony,
1: and the child, just the child, crying crying yeah, yeah, all the time. Just like
0: in the background, just like a constant din that I think both a contributes on a on a on a level of this film is make sure we're never comfortable because Henry is never comfortable because mm-hmm. of the cacophony of the city, the industrial area that he lives in.
1: Right. The inability to sleep is a very like big part of this,
0: and also is just like. Incredible to listen to in, in not like in a it's an aesthetically pleasing way, but just like is overwhelming and it just it sounds so good like it's so effective. Again, I'm a fan of of noisy and ambient music, so maybe that's part of what I'm bringing to you. I'm sure some people would think this sounds like shit, uh, <laughs> but e- even that like even the music he listens to this record of this like it's this organ music that sounds like distant and echoey mm-hmm. and adds like a an almost carnivalesque tone to like the way the way that he comes home and puts on a record is this like weird carnivalesque organ music. I think it's both really interesting when you think of it like in terms of the effect it has on us as we're listening to this kind kinda of creepy music. And also that this is what the character finds relaxing or interesting. Right. I think that that's really interesting stuff. And of course the song that the Lady in the Radiator sings in Heaven, which we haven't really talked about, should we?
1: We can. You told me when we were watching, right? It's one of the most famous scenes in the movie.
0: I think so. Um it's it's been covered a lot. It's just her singing In Heaven, Everything is Fine. It's by Peter Ivers.
1: But she's lip syncing to Peter Ivers singing it, which I think is interesting.
0: Yes. Again, with the, the unsettling, like unreality, I think that's a, a yes. really good effect. But I think that it sounds spooky. Again, this is a horror film, and I think that these things contribute. The sound the sound absolutely contributes absolutely. to being a horror film. Just like we praised the sound of Alibaba, by the way, which is also very cacophonous and, in an interesting way. I didn't think about that until just now. Yeah. A lot of the cacophony of the drums and the that's the noise very true. There. That's
1: very true. An, an unusual uh, is one of sound. the elements
0: that we we cited is like helping it feel more like a horror film.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: I don't know. I think that the the sound of this movie is its its greatest triumph um, for me. I like this movie. I haven't got to even really talk about this. I like this movie. I don't think it's really close to one of David Lynch's best. It feels like he's testing out a lot of ideas and... Sure. And he uses Aesthetics.
1: It's so fascinating to read all this trivia because he actually... One of the scenes that got cut out um, from this movie, he first tried to do that playing um, sound backwards that he ended up using in the Red Room in... Twin Peaks. uh, Twin Peaks, which is one of my favorite things about Twin Peaks, actually, is that um, dream sequence talking backwards um, and then being played forwards, which also, actually, there's a set in this movie that he eventually used to create the red room
0: yeah the Um, lobby of uh his building building. yeah Yeah. so
1: there's just like clearly a lot here that he was building later things on that is really interesting
0: yeah and and to me uh, uh, a huge fan of david lynch i i am its strident defender here on this podcast in conversation with you who wants him to drop dead (laughs) i don't want him to drop dead
1: (laughs) don't be dramatic uh
0: this is not this is not his best film um, and I think that his later stuff really refines everything we're talking about to actually be more effective. I think there are sequences in this, in this that don't make me feel anything. And I think that that is maybe not a failing because I don't want to ascribe that to him because also, again, it's it's partially on the viewer. But like, this doesn't work on all levels for me. I just want to say that. Sure. The sound works on every single level. I okay. love listening to this. I love the way that it makes me feel. Just, I think they spent like a year just working on the sound uh, once the film had been like completely shot. Mm-hmm. And I think that that work shows again. That's that's like mastering sound in the 70s, which took much longer, right? Well, there but... is a
1: funny story in here about how um, they've screened it for test audiences and, they, and everyone hated it. And Lynch was like, I just made the soundtrack too loud. We'll just turn that down a little bit, and then everyone will love it. Which I guess happened. that's incredible. <laughs> that's
0: that's astounding. Anything else you want to talk about um, uh, about this yes. movie?
1: I mean, I have some really fun trivia to tell you. I think that, like I said about, I think, uh, The Thing 2011, sometimes the trivia in be is just written in the funniest way, and I just love it. Mm-hmm. So I have a few things to uh, tell you that I just think are really funny. And then after we do this, this a couple of trivia facts, I'll tell you my favorite thing about the movie and some trivia about that. So, as you said, this is... Um, very much based off of David Lynch's experiences living in Philadelphia and he just has this quote that I thought was very amusing about his time there Um, living in an atmosphere of in his words violence hate and filth I'm from Philadelphia, so, you know, I take it personally and I also understand. Um, He said, describing this period of his life, Lynch said, I saw so many things in Philadelphia I couldn't believe. I saw a grown woman grab her breasts and speak like a baby, complaining her nipples hurt. This kind of thing will set you back. And I think that that line, this kind of thing will set you back, is hysterically funny. I think that that's a pretty mild thing to get horrified by, but I do think it's funny that he said this kind of thing will set you back.
0: David Lynch is funny.
1: He is funny, but he's an old man. Uh, Jack Nance also has a great quote that I enjoy uh, of people trying to um, understand this movie too hard. We'll get into it, I think, later, but what head" means. Uh, people always ask him what he thinks it means. And his response is, you guys get way too deep over this business. I don't take it all that seriously. It's only a movie. <laughs> So just beautiful words from Starjack Nance. Um, my favorite thing about this movie, which we dug into a little bit, is The Child. It is horrifying and it has the most human eyes I've ever seen. Again, the precursor to Baby Yoda. Uh, <laughs> don't really your eyes. I can't believe you're saying that. <laughs> the Child. They refer to it only as The Child. Um, it is so horrifying and David Lynch has never revealed um, what it is. Uh, he has offered only cryptic comments, saying that it was born nearby, or maybe it was found, which is again hilarious. And it was apparently obviously since then, people have kind of tried to figure out it might be like the embalmed fetus of a calf. Again, uh, although not confirmed, um, when he watched rushes, he would have the projectionist cover his eyes while the baby was playing, so that no one know how it was made. And then they have repeatedly uh, buried it and had a wake for it at the rap party. Um, so that's really funny.
0: Can I read you a quote about that? Yes. So when, when pressed on this, um, a little later in his career, I believe in the early 2000s, I hope that that's right. I have no idea. Uh, he said, it's horrifying to me that they do that, do that meaning talk about how films are made and magicians reveal their secrets. Hmm. People don't realize it, but as soon as they hear or see that something dies inside them, they're deader than they were. They're not happy to know about this stuff. They're happy not to know about it, and they shouldn't know about it. It's nothing to do with the film, and it'll only ruin the film. Why would they talk about it? It's horrifying. (laughs) But talking about how certain things happen in a film, to me, takes a lot away from the film. And that is his justification for never talking about this? I think that's...
1: I actually, for all my dislike of him, I think that is fair. I think it makes sense, and I think it's funny.
0: For him, it's about the movie Magic. It's about, like... And that is the
1: thing about magicians not revealing their secrets, because it ruins the trick. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. I think that, like, the exception to that is that I personally don't feel like that's true about magic. I love learning the secrets of magic. And I personally, like, it doesn't take away the magic for me. It, It amazes me. It's like, it's amazing that I was tricked so deeply. So there are probably technical people, people who work with props, who they wouldn't be like, oh, what? That's disappointing. But I understand his mindset for, like, not revealing it to the general public.
0: And I love knowing how movies are made. It actually deepens my appreciation yeah. of especially special effects, is knowing about them. So I don't think what he's saying is true. But I get it. For me, but I get it. I get
1: it. Um, I will say this one more thing about the baby, which is that this is not the prop itself, but when they made the big head, the one that I described looking yeah. more dinosaurish, this is my other favorite story. Um, it was made by David Lynch and Jack Nance, and it was made in his backyard where it was clearly visible to the neighbors. They called it, in quotes, that big egg and i think that is so funny again that the trivia for this movie delighted me more than the movie itself um i think that's just what happens with uh like cult movies like this yeah there are just and also the way that david lynch made this that it was his first film that he was a visual artist before this that it was like based on visual art that he had made
0: that it took six years that it,
1: and that like his friends were all involved the fact that like jack fisk he and jack fisk who i think are childhood friends like
0: And he was married to married his,
1: Yeah, and he was married to Jack Fisk's sister, like during I think part of this or, or after this movie. I don't remember. But uh just the way that this was like all just friends. Uh somebody else worked in this movie was married to Jack Nance and did his hair all of those years.
0: Catherine
1: Golson. So like the Log Lady a, from Twin Peaks. Oh, is that her? Yeah. There's just a, a real family aspect about all of this of like young people doing it for themselves and i think that that is very fun and leads to like a lot of really good stories As we
0: say uh jack nance was in i think almost all of lynch's films until he died and jack fisk i believe is still his production designer so That's like sweet. what you're talking about persisted
1: oh and jack fisk is in the movie too he's the man in the planet yeah I love it. I, lo- I love Jack Fisk in that role. I think that it's great. I think it's very fun. There's, again, I love The Man on the Planet. I didn't hate this movie. I think that there's a lot that I like about it. I just get mad about David Lynch in general.
0: I just think you gotta let it go. <laughs> you implied you wanted to talk about the title?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think people try to understand it. There's, we didn't talk about it, but one of his hallucinations is that his head falls off and is taken to a... Um,
0: a boy in the street. Picks it up.
1: Right. Takes take to a factory where it's made into pencils.
0: Pencil erasers. Yeah, it's a pencil factory. He brings he in the head. the eraser head. His head. They the make eraser erasers head. out of it.
1: And I mean, like, it's obviously very implied with his hair, the pencil. His body is the pencil. His hair is kind of the big eraser. I, I get
0: would not, that. I, I would not overscribe meaning to it. I no, don't think it, it means it, more. I don't think it has to mean anything other than the hallucination he has. Yeah. And then it's a it's a title that, again, sells the movie.
1: Right. That's just. I think it's hard for people. Myself included a lot of the time To let go That it doesn't mean something deeper Because I love a title And I specifically love I love a double meaning title Mm -hmm. You know I love when it's like Oh at first you think The title is just The name of the place where they live And then you're like Oh no it's actually a description of, like, the main character's psyche. When you, like, that realization of the double meaning of a, of a title brings me a lot of joy, so I understand trying to be like, where is that double meaning? Oh, of course it's the hallucination, but what else could it mean? Maybe his head is, you know, emptying itself of things, maybe it's a, he's erasing things. No, I don't, I don't think it's anything deeper, but I understand why people want to understand it.
0: I think that uh, Lynch would... Really prefer that people take the advice from the the Christopher Nolan film Tenet, which is not a Lynchian film, but which no, features but the line no Don't try to understand it, just feel it. I think that Lynch would prefer that people do that sure. than the inverse, which is people overanalyze and make four hour YouTube videos about Twin Peaks saying they solved it and yeah. the the culture of solving that has sprung up around his films because they are Strange and enigmatic.
1: They seem like puzzle boxes. They seem like
0: puzzles, and they're usually not. Yeah. There's a there's a good quote about how um the the character of Henry is always let me see if I can find it. He's always looking. He's always watching things very very carefully because he's trying to figure them out. Everything should be looked at. There could be clues in it. That's a Lynch quote, and that's how the character feels. Mm. And I think that comes through in Jack Nance's performance. I know you were you were unimpressed, but I think that his his perception of the world, whether he's looking through a keyhole or whether he's just like uh, holding his body so tight and so nervous, I think his observation is key to whether he's peering through a keyhole or scrunching up his body really tight because he's so nervous and just looking, his eyes are darting around. I think that that observation is key to the character. Um, and maybe share something in common with like Lynch's perspective as well, though that's that's projection. But I don't think that that's what the audience is supposed to do. I think that's a thing that a character is supposed to do. The line from Lynch: "Everything should be looked at. There, are, there could be clues in it." I worry that people have run with that yeah. to mean something that there are clues in this film, which I don't think that well, there yeah, are. Yeah, everybody,
1: wa- everybody wants their favorite thing to be like an RPG, right? Like
0: <laughs> that's really just do. that's just
1: what the internet is now. Is like everybody wants. What Lost was, right? Yeah. Where they really want you to solve. And it they all and there hated Lost because you know what?
0: Lost culminated in being about feelings and characters and not about answers to lore questions. Yeah. And so is widely considered to be bad. I think the ending of Lost is perfect. Yeah. But it was about I feelings agree because and characters.
1: I loved the characters and it did right by them in my and opinion. And it
0: didn't quote unquote answer the questions. Yeah. Lost actually gets a lot of criticism from audiences who are looking for puzzle box stuff and wanted wanted answers. Um, whereas I think it's its greatest strength is that it, yeah, it pushed a lot of that to the side.
1: we are just we're just in an age where there's where conspiracy is very high on everyone's minds. I mean, like, I have had experience in fandom where people make things into RPG with someone who never even promised lost promised a puzzle and maybe didn't deliver what people wanted. Now people look for puzzles in RPG where there isn't even a hint of it, and they're told time and time again that there is no puzzle, and they believe that they're still being sold a puzzle. Yeah. So i that's the unfortunate thing about David Lynch, because he could say, stop trying to understand it, stop trying to understand it, 25 million times, but because he said the word clue once, yeah. <laughs> people will always try to solve it.
0: Yeah. Early on in this movie, um, Mary's Mary's dad asks... Sort of, like, in, in a colloquial way, not literally, but, like, what do you know to Henry? And Henry says, I don't know much of anything. And, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think there's some beauty in knowing nothing.
1: <laughs> That's what I said at the beginning of this episode. I said, no thoughts, head empty. And I'm gonna go out this episode full saying circle. the same thing.
0: <laughs> Are you ready to, uh, betray your child and cut them open? B-
1: <laughs> no.
0: Ultimately leading to your own demise?
1: No, but I will roll the roulette.
0: You know that's always really what I'm asking. <laughs> How about you roll up that roulette and we can see if we get something maybe that you hate less.
1: Maybe. We'll see. Unlikely.
0: All right. Our next movie will be
1: The Resident.
0: I've never heard of this.
1: Me neither, but it has Hilary Swank. Stars Hilary Swank. 2011. Uh, it is on Amazon
0: Prime. The description that I'm seeing on Real Good says, Juliet a beautiful doctor, Uh. (laughs) has found the perfect New York apartment to start a new life. Don't
1: they all start that way? What a classic horror movie opening.
0: I've never heard of this. I know nothing about it. Me neither. I don't think it could be any further from David Lynch's *Eraserhead*. It (laughs)
1: seems like a total departure, but um, that might be good. That's what we do here. Or it might be terrible. It happens both ways.
0: All right. Our next movie will be The Resident on Amazon Prime. And well, until that's, kind of, that's a double
1: meaning. Oh, sorry. That's a double meaning title that I already know. She's a doctor and she's going to live in an apartment. Wow. Whoa. Mind blown. We don't even need to watch it. I get it. <laughs> sorry. Ooh, that just amused me. Go ahead. Say your thing.
0: Until then, you can check us out <laughs> on our website at nowscreaming.com
1: and on Twitter and Facebook at nowscreaming.
0: Be sure to leave us a like and a subscribe and a review and all those things. And Mm -hmm. tell your friends about the podcast.
1: Please do. Share, share, share.
0: Especially if they like David Lynch, because then they could be mad at Lynch, which drives engagement.
1: (laughs) Engagement sounds all you care about. My future cyberbullying doesn't mean anything to
0: you. We'll see. Thanks, as always, to Wes Craven and to Midnight Movie programmers across the country who allowed artists like Lynch or George Romero or. Shinya Sukamoto or John Waters to thrive despite not having mainstream success with their weird little movies by showing them at midnight and allowing them to find a cult following. Mm,
1: that is very true. Love that.
0: Alright, until next time everybody, stay, stay spooky! spooky.